This is I Rock with Rockstars, hosted by Ryan from I Rock 93.5. All right, Chris Jericho in studio. I am. I am in the studio. You are in live the, in person. Live in person. I Rock 93.5 studio, making it brighter for you so that way... Yeah, I don't like it when it's dark. It, it makes me feel like uh, not as energetic and vibrant. I'm a, I'm a type of guy I always have to have lights on, so... You are a very energetic, vibrant person. I Do you sleep? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Actually, it's, it's funny, like, when we go on tour with Fozzie, you know, as soon as the bus starts rolling, I can usually fall asleep like that, and then as soon as it stops rolling, I usually wake up right away. So, if it's a long trip, I get a lot of sleep. If it's a short trip, I get a, a little bit of sleep. But this is um, just something about the, the motor. You know what I mean? They just kind of like, okay, it's cool. It's time to go to bed. A little white noise that just yeah, exactly, helps you go down. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, whether you're not obviously touring with Fozzie, you're in the ring with AEW, you're doing your uh, your your podcast, talk Jericho, you're always on Twitter. So I, I just wondered where, where you find that balance in life with everything. Well, I mean, going on. it's, it's not as uh, crazy as it seems because it's mostly just time management, right? Like when you do shows like with Fozzie or, or AW, those shows are at night and they last for two hours, an hour, hour and a half, whatever it could be. So you've got another 22 hours of the day to do all this other stuff that you mentioned. Right. So, like podcasting is very easy because I'm I'll have I'll do a podcast later on today because you really have nothing else going on anyways right and so it gives you time to plan other things or if you have to do you know other ideas that you want to create and culminate there's a lot of time to to, to work on that so um, I think the, the the real secret to to doing all the stuff that I do is is time time management you I mean, know? yeah well and I, I feel like you are very and correct me if I'm wrong meticulous also when it comes to the prep work. Like whether it's again on the stage, the podcast, whatever it is, you're not walking into there, quite frankly, like I do with most of my interviews, just walking <laughs> in blind, going, "Oh yeah, we'll hit these things." Like you, there's for for someone like you, they see you for that 60 minutes on stage, that 10 minutes in the ring, but the work you put in beforehand to make sure that goes off perfectly. Well, I mean, it's 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 always like working with with good people you know what i mean so i don't plan everything for a fozzy show you know there's there's a whole team of people that we have that work on you know example coming to the rust belt you know tonight we've been planning this probably for four months or five months whenever the original you know tickets go on sale and then you got to plan the show and then you put plan the production for it, the set list and getting the crew together and you know everything it, it, you need a real team when you're in a band, especially and same with AW too, you know, the whole crew that sets up the ring and the lights and the PA and everything. So, um, and I think the best way to do that is concentrate on what you do best and make sure that you're ready for, for, for me, for my gig, what I have to do. And then trust all the great people that you have on your team to do, to do this, the work that they do best. And then that's kind of, it's like a football team or a hockey team. You can't ever win by yourself. You have to have a great squad and that's what being on the road is. You have to have a great squad. And, and and it's very important to trust the people you work with and have good people working with you. And if you can do that, then you'll have a you'll have a great show and a great team. And so the team that you're on right now, obviously your team with Fozzie, but you're out with Ugly Kid Joe, Pistols at Dawn. Mm-hmm. So when this lineup came together, I mean, obviously you've got Pistols who are just starting out and then a band like Ugly Kid Joe who's been there, done that. <laughs> you know. So from your standpoint, when you looked at that lineup and you were like, okay, this is a perfect fit for what Fozzie does. Well, we usually we're kind of doing mostly headlining gigs at this point. Um, 
And then when the co-headlining thing came up with Ali Joe, we thought, well, it's, it's just crazy enough to work. They haven't toured in the States in, in decades. And um, we've been doing nothing but touring the States. So, you know, you really have to kind of um, hammer this territory and keep playing as much as you can to build up your fan base. So um, with Ugly Kid Joe having some massive success, you know, when they did in the early 90s and not touring for a while, it's a big deal when they come to town, you know. And for us, um, we've played maybe not Moline specific, uh, but all around this area multiple times over the last 10 years. And people know what to expect with Fozzie too. So especially with Judas going gold recently and, you know, just kind of the, the, the momentum that we have right now. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a great, um, it's a great time for us. And it's, it's, it's a great time for, for people to come see us cause it's the band is hot and there's a lot of momentum and a lot of steam and it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, I still burn sane both. Mm. Crush it did awesome. Um, yeah, and you mentioned you. Judas. When was that moment that that was playing and you were walking down the ramp and everyone's singing? And you're like, "All right, this is the one where I'm going to have to play every show for the rest." Oh, of it was way before that, way though. Before that. It was way before that. It was um, as soon as we heard the demo for Judas. Thank you. I um, I okay, this is going to be the first song on the record. It's going to be the first single for the album, and it's going to be the first song that we play in the set, the the, the show opener. And I remember when we were making the video for Judas, um, somebody asked me, how many views do you hope it gets? And I was like, man, I hope it gets 3 million views. Like, that would be huge. Right now, now it has 63 million views. <laughs> and it's just something, I don't know what it was. As soon as that song came out, it did a million views in the first week. There was just something about it that just connected and clicked. Um, and that was back in 2017, so it was it just became a, a thing. And then they started playing it in hockey arenas, and they started playing it at football games, both in the states and football in the UK. And um, it became a hit single, you know, the elusive hit single. And then about two or three years after it was released, when was the first cru- second cruise that we did? It was 2020, right? And that's when um, on that cruise. When I started walking to the ring, they people started singing Judas, and whatever reason, it was just like, "Wow, this is great!" Because I, I was using Judas as my ring song since I went to AW and yeah. for New Japan as well. But no one sang it at first. It took a couple of years, and then after that, um, they just started singing it every time, and that really kicked the song into gear. That's what kind of crossed the threshold to making it a gold record. And you know, having a gold record in 2023 is almost impossible. And it was because the song was in the right place at the right time and people started singing it and every week on AW. It's, it's, it's part of our show now. And I think people, you know, they know the song off by heart. It's our pour some sugar on me or our enter Sandman. Um, not that it's as big as those songs, but for us it is. Yeah. And for the fans, it is. I mean, when, you know, when you can walk to the ring without it playing yeah. and everybody can still sing it. Yeah. That was really cool. Yeah. That was one of the best moments in Houston a couple of years ago. Yep. I wasn't allowed to use my song by <laughs> verdict of the bad guy. And we thought, well, what's going to happen? Like, <clears throat> are people going to be able to sing it? You know, uh, what's the cue going to be? And there was thoughts of maybe putting the lyrics on the screen, like, you know, with a bouncing ball or maybe, or maybe having a lyric sheet under the chair. And then finally Tony Khan and I were like, no, let's not do that. Like when people go to a concert, they know when to sing, right. they know the words. And let's just see what happens. And if it doesn't work, well, then the bad guy's evil plan paid off. But I think it'll work. And it took maybe two bars, and everyone got into sync, and they sang the whole thing 
on their own, which was one of the coolest moments of, that I've ever experienced in my career for sure. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, it's, it's one thing to have the music playing or to be obviously at a concert and, you know, you, you hold the mic out, but yeah. a moment like that, that was, that was another thing for sure. So you mentioned the, uh, you know, playing at Houston or being in Houston for that. There's probably 10,000 people in there. I'm guessing you've got Wembley stadium coming up, which is what? 60, 70, 80. It says 62,000 right now. We haven't announced the name, a match or even a, a the time of the show. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you already had 62,000. Yeah. But then you're also used to going out and playing clubs where there's 500 people, a thousand people for you as a performer in ring on stage, either way, are, are you loving the 70,000 or do you still like to get there in front of people where it's like, you can see every one of their faces and just get that, that well, kind I mean, of interaction. You know, that's an unfair comparison because not every show is 70,000. We've played in front of 70,000 people with Fozzie too. If you talk about download in the UK or some of the festivals that we've done. So obviously, you know, Wembley stadium and download, those are kind of high water marks for, for when you're wrestling or when you're playing with Fozzie. But you know, I mean, it's it's the cool thing about our band is it's grown to the point where you can't see every face. <laughs> you know, there was a time when we were playing to twenty people. Now it's you know seven hundred, eight hundred, a thousand people, and that's that's the vibe of the room is what counts the most. Whether it's Fozzie, whether it's AW, you know, whether it's sold out or whether it's not so much sold out, it all depends on what kind of energy you get from the crowd, and that's up to us to to make it. You know, make it an exciting moment. And if the place is packed, it's a little easier to do. If the place is not as full, you got to work a little harder. And it's like that with, with, with wrestling as well. Not every building you go to is sold out. So, you know, same AEW or WWE or anything like that. So um, I think the best part is to see the band grow and see the crowds. The crowd numbers get higher every tour that we do. That's where you get the real satisfaction from and the real gratification. Then you put on a great show and everybody has a blast. And that's leads to bigger crowds the next time you come. That is always a goal. One one more person every time that you come through, right? Well, yeah, exactly. You yeah. know, place, like I said, I don't know if we've ever even been in Moline before at the Rust Belt. So it's going to be great for people that haven't seen us, that have heard about the Fozzie uh, machine. They're going to have their socks blown off. And for those that have seen us, they know what to expect, which is just a great rock and roll party every night we play. And, I mean, the Midwest knows how to rock this area. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just it's another level around here. Um, yeah, it really is. Actually, I was just talking to my son. I brought my son and his friend to see Kiss and Moline in 2015. It was like the only gig that worked out for my schedule and whatever he was up to. So, yeah, it's a great rock and roll town. It really is like this Midwestern area. It's great for rock and roll. It's great for wrestling. It's great for Fozzie. And every time we play in this area, it's always a blast. So Moline's just fits right into to, to, to what we do with Fozzie as well as far as the vibe and the energy and the excitement. Yeah, and it's a it's a cool venue with a cool vibe and excitement. You mentioned the the Kiss show that you saw. You have been in the ring with greatest <clears throat> of all times. If for Fozzie, you said this is the one band that I want to share a stage with. I mean, it, it's it just depends on the vibe of the show. Like we've played with Kiss, we've played with Metallica, we had a great run with Nickelback, which was awesome. Uh, Three Days Grace was a great tour that we did. Um, you know, I, I think once again we enjoy headlining, and we have a great business model where headlining is is a perfect way for us to do things. But if ACDC calls or Iron Maiden calls or Guns N' Roses calls and wants us to play with them, then we'll be happy to uh, to show up. I'm sure you can make that work out. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I wish. Yeah, right. Um, you know, you mentioned a couple band names right there. <clears throat> 
there's a couple of Hall of Fames in the uh, businesses that you're in that, should we call them sketch? I don't know. Uh, what, what, what would we call the, the Hall of Fames in the world of wrestling and music? Uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, once again, the list comes out and you just see all these bands that, hey, great bands, great music, rock and roll. And then you see the ones that continue to be snubbed. And you're just like, how is this possible? For you, is it it not a big deal, but is it still like something that you're like, man, they got to get this right? Or is it just, you know. I used to go to um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, ceremony every year with my cousin. And it was always a blast because you see these bands going like the zombies or the cure or bands. You don't even really like earth, wind and fire. And, you know, obviously the deep purple and those types of bands kiss. We saw Nirvana. I wouldn't go the last couple of years because there's nobody that I really want to see. And the thing about the rock and roll fame that bothers me the most is like you said, yeah, I don't mind if Missy Elliott goes in. Sure. She's very influential, but why is Missy Elliott in or LL Cool J in, um, you know, an Iron Maiden is not. Scorpions are not, you know, Thin Lizzy is not. It just, the list goes on and on. Meatloaf. Right. The number five top selling record of all time. Number five top selling record of all time, Bad Out of Hell. And Meatloaf's not in. Like one of the biggest stars ever. And now he's passed away. And when he goes in, it's like, well, it's cares. And I, I think it's, 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 it means a lot more to the people that are following it than it does to the bands themselves. Because I, you know, I know the Iron Maiden guys, and they're like, we don't care, we wouldn't even show up, and I <laughs> really think they probably wouldn't show up because what does Iron point. Maiden care about? Yeah, especially when you've been snubbed like that. Now, if you, if you go in, it's more like, well, yeah, it's a token thing, and I don't think Iron Maiden needs to be in the Hall, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to still be one of the biggest bands in the world. You know, it's just like me when people go, what are you going to do if you don't get into the WWE Hall of Fame because you're not in AEW? I'm already in the WWE Hall of Fame. You know, if you think of WWE and Chris Jericho, there's no doubt. So I don't need to go to a ceremony and have people clap for me. And like, you know, who cares? Like, it doesn't mean anything to me. So when Iron Maiden says that being in the Rock Hall of Fame doesn't mean anything to them, I understand because I feel the same way about the WWE Hall of Fame. Doesn't mean anything to me. Doesn't matter. Right. And and it's it's nice for the fans, like you said, to be it able is. to go like my guy that I've cheered for, yeah. my band that I've seen all these right. years. I'm. I'm vindicated in liking them. Like I, I've got sure. it. That's my thing. But yeah, for you, like you know everything you've done. Well, I mean that's the thing. My Motorhead, like Motorhead, Lemmy would probably laugh at the, even the concept of the Rock and <laughs> Hall of Fame, and they're not in. They might never go in. But I mean, there's no more of an influential band on modern metal and modern rock and roll than than the Motorhead. So I don't think if if it, the most important thing is having the respect of your peers and the respect of your fans. So if some suit doesn't put you in the Hall of Fame, does it really matter? It's not very rock and roll anyways, you know? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Being in a Hall of Fame is the yeah. least rock and roll what thing you, you can yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. Why, who cares? Yeah. Uh, so we just talked about, not too long ago, the uh, I Still Burn saying off the last album that came out. Both did great. You're on tour right now. Everything else that you're doing in life. What's the next plans musically as far as another album, singles? What do you I, th- I think the way to go is singles. Um, when you talk about our last record, Boombox, which we took three years to make because of the pandemic and the lockdown and didn't want to release it when you couldn't go tour the record. Uh, I really think that all 12 of those songs are radio hits, but it doesn't work that way. You release three singles. Um, they all went top 10. We play three more of the songs live. They all go over great. And there's six songs that 
basically just go to the Fozzie dead song graveyard. And it's a shame because if you look at, you know, Omen or Army of One or, you know, uh, Ugly on the Inside, those are all great songs, but they'll probably never get played. So why work so hard on them? And things have changed with the business model of, of, of music now to where I think rather than waiting two years to put out a record where half the songs probably won't really exist, you know, unless you're really into the band, why not release a single every four months, for example? So that way you have constant product. Every song can go to radio and live or die on its merits. And once you start becoming a radio band, which we are now, those songs will all go top 10. So you can play them live and every song gets its due. I really think that's the way to, to do it from now on, especially with you know TikTok and NFTs and, and just the way that music is consumed nowadays. You know, we are ch- children of the 80s. We, you know, we love albums. You know, Master Puppets, Listen from Beginning to End, Battery to Damage Incorporated that takes you on a journey. I still believe in that. But that's not how people really listen to music anymore. So I think it's smarter just to do the one song at a time. Um, it'll be more impact and more content. And you're constantly in people's faces with new material, which I think is a good thing. Yeah, and I've, I've had that conversation with some other bands before. And kind of the same sentiment where they like, boy, we love albums. Like this is, this is what we did. We, we, we stood in line for the CD. We, we bought the vinyl, you know, whatever it is. But yeah, I mean, you've got to give, you have to produce what you're doing the way that people are consuming it. That's right. Yeah. And if they're not consuming it that way, it's just, no, you, you have to stay ahead of the curve and not be behind it, you know, and we've done that. I mean, we do everything opposite of what you're supposed to do to, to make it, you know, in a band. And that's why we're succeeding. And we like that. Like we got sick of waiting for an invitation to the table years ago. So we said, why don't we just build our own table? And, you know, that's, that's why the Jericho cruise started. We couldn't get booked on a, on a rock and roll cruise ever. They just wouldn't book us. So I was like, well, screw it. I'll just start my own cruise. <laughs> and when I started kind of looking at bands that were available, they wanted so much money. That I was like, I'll just put Fozzie on top. I remember I was talking with Gene Simmons about the cruise. He's like, well, who's going to headline? I said, Fozzie. He goes, really? And I said, yeah, I'm going to believe in myself. And either we're going to sell it out or we won't. But if we sell it out, suddenly Fozzie's a cruise headliner. And he's like, that's a great idea. And guess what happened? We sold out, you know? And guess what else happened? Now all the rock cruises want us to play. And it's like, no, sorry, we've got our own. <laughs> right. we'll, we'll play our own cruise. And so so when, but with having that attitude, you're always a step ahead. And it's a little bit of a challenge, but that's okay. That's why we're here. I'm not here to be under somebody's shadow or under somebody's wing. We'll do it our own way. Well, do it your own way. And also, if it doesn't succeed, you go, okay, well, it didn't work this way. Let's do it this way. Yeah, exactly. Try it that way. And, and when you have confidence and when you have a great fan base, nine out of ten times it succeeds. And there's a lot of things we're working on with that in mind. Stuff that you'd be like, what? They're doing that? And it's like, yeah, and and no one ever thought we'd have a gold record either, and here we are. So you know, put that in your uh, in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> Is uh, would that be your advice to any young band or any young wrestler out there? Is try it different, do something. Yeah, different? do something different. You know, uh, believe in yourself and don't be afraid to take a chance. I mean, that's the most important thing: is have the confidence um, and the belief to, to to try. There's no such thing as failing. Even if it doesn't work out, that's not a failure. You tried it. The, the only failure is not giving it a shot and not giving it 100%. Uh, talking with Chris Jericho, you should know that by now. But uh, a couple more minutes and we'll let you go. A uh, couple things I've got to ask. 
I don't even know what the list is of nicknames you've had over the year. I, being my age, I stuck with Ayatollah Rock and Rolla, and that's what I went with the rest of my life. <laughs> Has there been a time that you've presented one to whatever company you were in at the time, and they're like, oh, Chris, no, 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 we can't do that one? No, I mean, you don't really, I don't really present anything. I just do it. You know, I remember, and this is a true story, I, I started using the term GOAT probably in 2016 and I remember Vince didn't like it because like what are you a goat that doesn't make any sense and I got it from a rap song now everybody's a goat yeah everybody you know what I mean everybody's a goat but when I got goat put on my tights he was like it doesn't make any sense I said it's a street term it means greatest of all time he goes all right but don't don't actually call yourself the greatest of all time you call yourself the goat and it gets over um and like I said now there's like like I just heard the other day like uh um uh, Liv Morgan's the goat and it's like like everyone's a goat now and it's like there's only one goat it's the greatest of all time right Not you know like Sean Michaels is the goat the Rolling Stones are the goat like you can't have 100 goats it doesn't work that way and I was saying it more as, as just a way to get heat as, as a heel you know but um, I remember when I even when I first heard it's like goat sounds so weird like I wish it was something tougher like a rhino or a bear or something <laughs> but um but I'll try this goat thing, and it's just so funny how how it just expanded to where now, like I said, like you know, my 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 neighbor's son's brother's gardener is the goat, but he's a goat at gardening though, mm. so you know, yeah, amongst you know a hundred other goats <laughs> in that city alone, in that city alone, um, you have your two worlds, you have your wrestling world, you have your 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 music world. Have you ever? Or maybe you have, and I just haven't seen it. But have you ever thought of combining the two, where you're on stage? playing Fozzie, and something comes in to tie in the AEW world. No, I always wanted to keep it separately yep. because I had to, especially at first, because people didn't take Fozzie seriously because I'm a wrestler. How can a wrestler be a singer? And how can this be real? And so I was very adamant at keeping the two apart. In the early days of Fozzie, we did some stuff in WWE, but um, it's been decades because uh, I, I just did not want to combine the two, you know, and I'm sure at some point we will when the time is right. But um, I wanted Fozzie to succeed on its own merits and not tie it in with And be honest with you, you couldn't tie it in with wrestling anyways, because wrestling fans, um, I remember when we first started the band, everyone thought, oh my gosh, all your wrestling fans are going to come by the record. It doesn't work that way. You know, you have to build the band on its own and you have to have great songs and have a great live show. And when you do that, after all, people don't care that Chris Jericho's a wrestler. People don't care that Taylor Momsen was in, you know, the Grinch that stole Christmas. People don't care that Bruce Dickinson's an airline pilot. Like, you know, it, you know, people don't care that Slipknot wears masks. If the music sucked, it, it, who cares? So when you have, every band has a gimmick. Every band, every band that made it has some sort of a gimmick, right? But the music has to be good because that gimmick only lasts so long. Like Paul Stanley used to say, you can't put face paint on a record. You know, it's it's either the music is good or it's not. And it's the same with Fozzie. So so Chris Jericho's a wrestler. Um, great. But now we have five consecutive top 10 singles and a gold record and a great live show and a lot of momentum. So I think obviously the Chris Jericho brand is many things and wrestling is part of it. But one never uh, was dependent on the other. Both were kept separate. So it's all part of things that I do. The last band... Uh band that played the uh, Rust Belt we were playing tonight was Corey Taylor for his solo show, and he busted out a little bit, just gave him a little bit of SpongeBob SquarePants, which I'd always want to see live. 
are you going to have any cartoon themed songs tonight? Yeah, we've been opening with the Flintstones theme, Beautiful. so it tears the house down. It's funny, though. I remember Corey played SpongeBob SquarePants on the first Jericho cruise. He was on it, and it, it, it tore the house down because obviously it's a, you know, a, a, a sea-worthy song. But actually, Striper was just here two nights ago, and I was they talking were. to Michael Sweet, and he said it was a great venue. And he said um, uh, uh, there's a great taco place across the street. Sure. And he also said that the Rust Bowl is one of the coolest venues he's ever played. So we're really excited to play there tonight. And once again, this is a great rock and roll town. It's a great rock and roll area. And the fact that, to my knowledge, we've never played Moline, I'm excited to to, to break that uh, streak tonight uh, at the Rust Belt and tear the house down. Yeah, when knock you, the rust out of the system, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. There's there's a lot of rust still on the ceiling of that place. Well, rust never <laughs> sleeps, as Neil Young said. Uh, yeah, you'll have, you'll have to check it out. It's an old. Uh, well, I will. I'll check it out tonight. Three and everything yeah, like that. Yeah. It's it's a it's a cool place. For we sure. were talking. There's a place in Glasgow that we played that kind of has the same vibe. There's always like I think there was a place. It was like an old train station, or you know, like you said, like an old rust belt, an old factory. You get these kind of cool venues that are made from other things, and it's always kind of a lot of history to it and cool vibes and that sort of a thing. Do you have those places that I mean stick out? in your head that you remember like, man, I, I love that place. And you see it pop up on the tour schedule. And like, yes, I can't wait to be back. There. I mean, it's more cities than, than anything. I mean, we were just in green Bay and there was a great venue there called the Epic event center. And it's, it's got like a, a basketball court in it and a billiards table and a gym and a laundry. It's like, it's like the, the like an oasis for rock and roll bands, you know? So that's what you want to get as a venue that has a little bit of character to it. I mean, the machine shop in Flint is kind of like the whiskey a go go in the in the Midwest. It's those types of places. So that's why I like when you're talking about the Rust Belt. It becomes a place that that everyone looks forward to going to because there's there's some character to it, you know. Because there's some venues you show up at. It's just like wow, like how has this thing not been like just bulldozed? <laughs> and it's not so much anymore because we're usually playing the bigger places. But you still show up once in a while. We were in Syracuse about a, a, a couple months ago, and it's just like. How does this place exist? How can people come to shows here? Right. It's like going to, like, it really felt like I'm at a frat party. You know, like, where's the kegs? <laughs> um, so, you know, like I said, you, you get to know the venues, especially when you've been touring as long as we have, because there's only so many venues in the country. What, 300, 400, 500 venues? So when you find a new one and it's a cool one, it's like, wow, we got to have to come back here for sure. This is a great place. Right. Uh, cool. Chris Jericho, Fozzie, AEW. Talk is Jericho, everything it is that you do. Um, next for Fozzie. Tonight. Tour is, tonight at the Rust Belt. That's all what's right. next. That's, that's all you got to worry about. Tonight at the Rust Belt, you come rock with Fozzie, and then, well, we'll get new music at some point. Yeah, I think hopefully in August or September we'll have a new single. That's kind of the plan. Perfect. Yes. Awesome. And uh, when is Wembley? That's August. Too, Wembley's August as well. Yeah. August 27. All ties together. See, there it is. see how it works? There yeah. it is. August, the big month in uh, in the world of Chris Jericho and Fozzie. Well, man, I appreciate you coming in. Uh, I hope you enjoy the Rust Belt as much as the Quad Cities does because we pack that place all the time and have a good time. So, I think We're ready, man. Well. We're ready to rock Moline. Awesome. Awesome. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, dude. Yep. My pleasure. Shit.